Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. As I begin this morning, I wanted you to think back with me what it would have been like to be in the Garden of Eden, to the time when God completed his creation, but before Adam plunged mankind into sin through the fall. What it must have been like to walk and talk face to face with God, to enjoy every pleasure imaginable to pursue your heart's desires, not because you had nothing else to do, but because you took great delight in doing that, and great delight in the God that gave you those desires. What must it have been like to live in absolute harmony with all created things, including your spouse? Imagine that. To live in an environment of perfect peace, perfect love, perfect acceptance, and perfect relationships. What must it have been like to be free to give, free to share, Free to be yourself with absolutely no fear of being hurt or rejected, or to live the life that you were created to live. Now, when I think back to the garden, I am instantly reminded that although we talk much about it, we really know very little about what it must have been like to be that free. Would you agree with that? Now, I'm going to speak this morning about freedom, but a particular kind of freedom, a freedom that we have in Christ. Because according to the Bible, there is no other kind of freedom. It is only when Christ is present, whether in the life of an individual, a family, or in the church, or even a nation, that they experience genuine and lasting freedom. But even that freedom is something most believers will never experience because of three obstacles that we face. I want us to turn to Luke chapter 8. And while you're turning there, I also want us to stand for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 26. says this. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many at a time it had seized him, obviously. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break through those bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to part into the abyss. 
Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. But when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right hand, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told him how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country and the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and he returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This has been a reading from the Word. I hope it adds blessing to your life today. You may be seated. So I'm talking about three obstacles that we face as Christians that prohibit us from experiencing that true freedom that we have in Christ. And the first of those I want to talk about this morning is satanic oppression. Now I wonder what I wonder what it would have been like for this man. I imagine a young man growing up in this region in the Sea of Galilee, a fine young man, perhaps at a time a respectable citizen in the town. Was he married? Did he have children? I wonder what circumstances led him to running around naked, half naked at best, if someone had pity on him and tried to dress him. And as he roamed through the housing districts, people must have avoided him at all costs, none daring to take the risk to put him up for the night. So he lived out by the water at the tombs among the dead, for fear of their own safety, perhaps, maybe. But for his own good, and people had tried to chain up this poor man, putting shackles on his hands and wrists, but he kept breaking them. He was displaying a superhuman strength, so that obviously threw them off too. Mark's gospel tells us that he lived a miserable life out in the mountains, separated from everyone and by his madness. And he even hated it himself. So he acknowledged that something was not right here. Something was plaguing him. Something was prohibiting him for experiencing true freedom that we have that is given to us only by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, the Bible plainly tells us that this man was plagued by a mob of demons that went by the name of Legion. And in the Roman army, a legion of soldiers numbered 6,000 men. Now, we do not know if there were 6,000 demons present in him or not, but we know that there were many. These devils or demons had been living in this man for a long time and were slowly destroying his life and even his will to live. How many can relate to that? When we let sin creep into our lives and it destroys us little by little and we're not sure how to get back to where we need to go. And this man obviously didn't know either, but something miraculous was going to happen. You see, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. You see, Satan and his evil followers 
are bent on destruction, and every life they inhabit or oppress is chosen for that express purpose. However, to destroy it and keep it from being able to follow Christ is a choice that person makes. Let me reiterate that. That is a choice that you make. Satan may oppress us, but that does not mean we cannot change that through Christ. We cannot change that because of our own will. We need God's help. 2 Corinthians 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 4 says that, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, I want to make sure that we're clear on this. If a man or woman rejects Christ and goes to hell, they go because they've made a conscious choice to reject Christ. No one is going to be able to stand before God in the judgment and blame the devil for them not being saved. I said Satan and satanic forces are an obstacle, but no one that cannot be overcome. Do we understand that? This is our conscious choice. If we choose not to, that's on us. The buck stops with us on that one. Men do not see the light because they don't want to see the light. Satan comes along and feeds the mind excuses for not believing. But it is a mind that has already chosen that course. Consider the words of John chapter 12, verse 40. They say, He has blinded their eye and hardened their heart. Lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, I would heal them. It's a choice that we have to make. Satan wants to oppress us. But through Christ, he demonstrates through us and he takes care of it. For those who believe, it seems like a pretty good deal to me. But so many of us choose the latter. I'm not going to follow Christ because I don't want to. Or I have another excuse. Or it's too hard. I get that a lot. It's too hard. Imagine the difficulty knowing when you stand before God, knowing that's it. There's no more time. There's no more opportunity to uh, listen to so-and-so as they tried to bring you to the knowledge and the wisdom that was given to them. That's it. And we don't know how much time we have. So why not make that decision? Why let Satan win when he's obviously the loser? We let him win. Now, that verse says that God blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. But again, no one will be able to say to God that they rejected Christ because God would not let them believe. It just means that God gave them over to what they had already chosen to do and to be. When Jesus walked into this man's life, something in him that proved his readiness to be free from the demonic spirits Something that cried out for deliverance 
And because he asked, Jesus delivered him. All we have to do is ask. So many people today who have never received Christ are possessed with evil spirits until they come to the place in their life where they choose to come to the one who set them free. They will continue to be plagued by the forces of Satan because we know this. Believers cannot be possessed, but they can be oppressed by demons. And again, freedom only comes when you choose to come to Christ for freedom. The second of these that weigh us down, that trip us up in our Christian walk, so to speak, is we love the darkness. We love the darkness. Let me explain. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, were hiding. We think that if no one else knows, then no one is going to know. But God knows. And he's right there to let you know it. Whether we want to listen to it or not, he's there in the ready. He's waiting. Now, some might argue that this man had it made. He could do what he wanted, when he wanted, where he wanted, the way he wanted. He had no one telling him what to do, what to wear, where to live, how to live, or anything else. His life had no restraints. Something that so many people today, today claim to want. They want that. Why? Because they do not have a love of freedom. That's a love of self and a desire to be their own God. You see, that was the sin of Adam. God was being so restrictive and, and, and dominating that the only way he could be free was to cast off that one command and do what he wanted to do. But when he did, Adam found out what bondage was all about, didn't he? Free? That is why he hid himself. Was he free from guilt and shame? No. Was he free from being held accountable? No. Was he free from death? No. You see, one of the greatest obstacles most people will ever face in their own lives is the love of the darkness that they live in. But if you are ever going to be free and experience true freedom, we need to step out of the darkness and into the light of Christ. There was an occasion in Jesus' ministry when he was speaking with the Pharisees. And he said to them, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. When the Pharisees heard what Jesus said, they started to get upset with him. And they said, we are descendants of Abraham and we are never in bondage to any man. Jesus would go on to tell them, that they were in fact in bondage and nothing that they could do on their own accord would set them free. Uh, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, he said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. John said, in him was life and the life was the light of men. You see, the most difficult part 
of coming to Christ is overcoming this obstacle. The Bible calls it repentance, turning from the darkness, from sin and shame and guilt and stepping into the light. There are some demons that are real, but there are others of our own making. You understand? There are those that exist, but there are those that we create out of disobedience. What about drinking? What about fear, worry, and doubt? All those things exist in the world of darkness. When you step out of that world and into the world of light, then you can find freedom like you have never experienced ever before. You mark it down. What you think you control, mark my words on this, what you think you control, it will control you. What you think you can control, it will ultimately control you. You cannot flirt around in the dark and expect to shine with the glory of God. And the third point I want to make, and the third obstacle, one that we're very, very familiar with, and that is the concept of fear. When Jesus cast the demons into the herd of pigs, they raced off the edge of a cliff, drowning into the Sea of Galilee. Now you will notice that these unclean spirits inhabited animals that were considered unclean to the Jews. They were bent on destroying life, no matter what form it took, and now they destroyed this herd of about 2,000 pigs. When the pig farmers saw it, they ran into town to tell everyone. Verse 35 is a telling verse here. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Interesting. You see, all of their conditioning, all of their chains and shackles could not do for what this man, Jesus, had done with him with his power of his spoken word. And they were afraid of such a great power, so afraid that in fact they demanded that he leave. It did not matter that this man who had been in such bondage was now set free, or that this Jesus was just as concerned about the eternal souls. They were, un they were afraid and unwilling to have any dealings with him. Now this is what you ought to realize about this obstacle we call fear. The fears are not really based on anything that has to do with God. Our fears are based on our own limitations. We fear what we do not understand, what we cannot see, what we cannot hear or touch or feel. We fear what is beyond our experience. And because we fear it, it's the easiest thing to do. And that is to just flat out reject it. Again, it is an obstacle, but not one that you can't overcome. If you genuinely want the freedom Christ offers, he would lead John to say that perfect love casts out all fear. Christ's love decimates the idea of fear. So when we're in Christ, what do we have to fear? What's tripping you up? What's holding you back? The only people who ever knew were Adam and Eve, living in perfect love 
and harmony. But when they sinned, they feared and they hid themselves from the God who loved them more than they would ever know. And now I, I learned something when preparing this this week, and I, and I studied the passage. And uh, Do you remember that the Bible says in John chapter 4 that Jesus and must needs go through Samaria? Why did he have to go through Samaria? Because there was one woman, one woman there that he wanted to meet at Jacob's well. Now, do you remember that Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat so that they could go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee? Why did he go over there? Was it to get some rest? Was it to go fishing? I might have gone fishing. Luke's account says that as soon as this meeting with the demoniac was over, they got back in their boats and returned to the other side. Jesus went all the way across the lake just to meet this man in order to set him free. Christ is willing to do that for every individual in this room. He will meet you where you're at. It is us that choose to reject him. Because we fear the unknown. We fear what we cannot touch, what we cannot see. But living in a life of Christ, having freedom in Christ, allows us to get rid of those obstacles and to truly live a life in freedom as a Christian. It takes one simple thing. Believing in Christ. Surrendering to Him. Surrendering to His will. Now, sure, there was the lesson on faith when they encountered the storm while they were in the boat. But now we see that Jesus didn't just go for a joyride to teach them a lesson on faith. It was only a byproduct of a greater mission. And we know that Christ is on mission today in your life and in my life as well. He wants to set us free. Free from satanic forces, free from a life of sin and shame, free from fears. But he does not want to just set you free from those things. He wants to set you free to some things as well. Some of you today are unable to express love to one another for one reason or another. Because you're unable to express that because you've created this bondage within yourself. God wants you to be free and to trust Him. But you are in bondage to that fear and worry and you are in torments today. And we call that anxiety. But folks, we know that these obstacles are real. And they are difficult to overcome. Most will never find freedom, but for those of you who are ready... Jesus stands ready to receive you today. He says to you, I have come to give you life and to give it to you in great abundance. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Now, in, in light of it being Independence Day for our country, I wanted to share with you a letter that was written about 20 years ago. And it kind of encapsulates 
the meaning of this day. We, we love our freedom in our country. But more importantly, we need to love our freedom in Christ. Because without that, we don't have freedom in this country. So I want to read this letter to you. And it's, it's entitled, You Earned My Independence Day. It says, I wrote this letter to all the soldiers I know, past and present for all the soldiers I will probably never know. My appreciation and respect for your service has no words, but I'm going to try anyway. I sit here typing while my children are shifting from foot to foot, begging for darkness to fall. They want to throw some loud things on the ground with a bang, see huge light displays in the sky and wave their sparklers around. Seldom besides Christmas have they ever requested nighttime to happen any sooner than necessary. I laugh a little. To them, this is what Independence Day is. It's fireworks and a lot of oohs and ahs. But seeing them smile and giggle reminds me further of what it actually means to me. These giggling reminders are what have moved me to write this letter of thanks to you today. It is because of you and the men and women who served that my children are safe. It is because of men and women just like you that I have the freedom to wave that sparkler around and have reason to be thankful for the independence that no others in the world share. In America, I am asked to vote my opinion on matters that are significant. Only in a country like this would I be given the opportunity to prove I can do something others might not ever even thought possible in their own lives. In Ameri I'm an American, and I am innocent until I am proven guilty, not guilty merely because I may be accused of something. Where else but America would someone likely stand up for someone else who needs a little help? Someone stood up for me once, and I repay the favor every chance I am given. It is because of men and women like you that the rockets that my children want to light make a few sparks and a loud noise, and everyone giggles, meant to celebrate the freedom in our lives. They are not the rockets that maim and destroy, taking the very life from the children who touch them. How many places in the world have you, our soldiers, been that the children have no dreams or hopes except to find food and shelter and to live another day? How did I ever earn such fortune, I wonder to myself. The answer is, of course, that I didn't earn any of it. People like you and my grandfathers during World War II and Gene, Walt, Buzz, Wayne, Bart, and Jim, all veterans of the Vietnam War, all men I am so honored and lucky to have met, earned this right for me. How can I ever repay you? I am not sure I can. What have I done to show myself worthy of gifts you have given me? I just don't know. I mean to live a good life and to never forget that I was given an opportunity that so many others have not. I will probably never be a soldier, never sleep in a trench, never be truly afraid or truly alone, all of the things that you have been for me. But I remember that you did those things for me, and I will always honor and fight for those men and women whose names are written on that granite wall or who cannot fight for themselves anymore. I will always remember Bernie Lee Dexter, whose name I wear on a band on my wrist. I will always stand up for what I think is right, and for those who cannot protect themselves. I will not be silent when there is something to say, 
because surely the cost to me is not as great as what I would pay for being silent or turning the other cheek. Your sacrifices will never be for nothing. I will always remember you. I will always respect you and always to my last day on this soil you have fought for. Be grateful for my Independence Day. This appreciation I also express unto my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for he also fought and still fights for us. It says, thank you, Joni Bohr. I am thankful that we have the freedom to be in this building right now. And that is paid for by the lives of men and women who have served this country and continue to serve this country. But it's also through Christ's love that we even have that honor. If you do not know Christ, I pray that you don't wait another minute longer. You come to know him. You find somebody who can help you. And you let them travel through that endeavor with you. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, the question this morning is if we experience an independence and freedom through your Son, Jesus Christ. A freedom which cannot be bought with money and not through our will, but Lord, you've gifted it through us through your grace and mercy. Through the sacrifice of your Son, only then are we redeemed. I pray that as we celebrate our country's Independence Day, that we remember those who fought and died for it. But Lord, we know the battle is not over though. Though times look dark and bleak, Lord, you give us hope. We have an assurance of salvation and with the gift of those who believe, we are called to press on. We are not to give up hope. We are not to look at this world through lenses of negativity. We have the promises from you, our God, and we are called to be the beacons of that hope and truth. Heavenly Father, those of us sitting here today that have not experienced that truth, Lord, the, the truth of having a relationship with you, I pray that they don't wait another minute. We have men and women here who would love nothing more than to walk them through and, and talk them through about making that a reality in their life. Lord, the food, the fireworks, the events of the day can wait. We know that Jesus is calling. The question is, is will we answer the call? Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for our time this morning. And thank you for the freedom of serving you and those who fight daily to preserve that freedom. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And it's in your holy and precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. And I just want to say thank you to all of you and we hope that you have a wonderful day today. If you have questions about Jesus, I'll be standing here. I'd love to talk with you. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the 
The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.